Hello everyone, welcome to the very first episode of World of Wallace and Gromit the podcast in 2021. I hope you managed to catch some of the many Wallace and Gromit and Aardman films that were shown on television or Netflix over the Christmas period, or perhaps you were able to play a few games with your household. Which brings me on to the main topic of this episode, all about Wallace and Gromit games. From video games to board games, we'll be delving into your favourites and maybe a few lesser known ones. I wonder how many you've heard or played. If we head back to winter 2003, the very first Wallace and Gromit video game was released, Project Zoo. This platform game took you through a new story, set after the events of Wrong Trousers, and allowed you to take control of Gromit, advised by Wallace of course, in six different environments, 24 missions and 12 sub-levels. In the plot for the game, Wallace and Gromit are the proud adoptive parents of a baby polar bear called Archie, who lives in the same local zoo that Feathers McGraw is being kept in. On Archie's birthday, Wallace and Gromit arrive at the zoo with a present of a fish to give him, only to find it's locked up, and no explanation as to why. Whilst they ponder what could have happened and make some inquiries, a truck comes round the corner and Gromit spots a certain evil penguin driving and Archie trapped in the cab. All is not well at the zoo. Realising they need to find a way to get inside the gates, Wallace and Gromit pop home and whip up a Trojan penguin out of wood which they can hide inside, with living room-inspired interior decoration, of course. When Feathers finds the Trojan penguin outside the zoo, believing it to be a tribute to his greatness, he lets it in. Now inside the gates, Wallace and Gromit must find out what's going on and put a stop to Feather's evil plans to restore order for the animals. This game was developed with a company called Frontier, headed by a team of Wallace and Gromit fans which helped, in conjunction with Nick Park and Aardman, and the delivery management team from BAM Entertainment. Wallace and Gromit creator Nick Park was very involved in the process, and had clear ideas about where the story should go. He also felt it was important that, despite the characters being computer-generated, they should still have a plasticine look and feel, and behave in the way that they would in the film. Wallace and Gromit are not violent characters, so an important hurdle to overcome was how they would defeat the enemies at each level without actually killing them. The solution to this was to develop a series of funny weapons like turnip launchers and banana guns to stun them but not kill them. Similarly, it was important that Gromit could never die, so they had to find a way of making the game a challenge for the player, but ensure there was no upset over Gromit's welfare. This was done by developing a health indicator, which is a cheese and crackers icon on the screen. Crackers vanish the more Gromit gets injured, but you can collect more as you move through the game. If your crackers get completely depleted, then you have to start over from the last save point. When it came to recreating the characters of Wallace and Gromit themselves, Obviously, it wasn't going to be quite the same as if they were stop-motion, especially back then, when the technology is not what it is today. But they could still use the same proportions, mouth shapes and personalities. As the hero of the story, Gromit needed to be very agile to deal with all the jumps, twirls, swimming and running that was required of him. But it became clear early on that doing all that on four paws would be a struggle. So, two paws it was. As a compromise, there are various points in the game where Gromit gets put on a leash by Wallace to reassure us that he is still the faithful canine companion we love. 
Peter Salas, again voiced Wallace, and because it was a game rather than a film, ended up recording far more than he'd ever had to say as Wallace previously. Over 7,000 words of dialogue were recorded over three separate recording sessions. Overall, the actual game took around two and a half years to make, and then had to go through rigorous testing to make sure that it held the interest of a range of players. On average, it takes a gamer at least ten hours to complete, and in true Ardman style, there are lots of little subtle references hidden throughout, which might raise a chuckle from those who spot them. Nick Park insisted that whatever they made should have its own originality and creative merits, not just a spin-off and this attitude seemed to have got through, as he enjoys playing the game himself. Available on PlayStation 2, GameCube, Xbox and Microsoft Windows, this was Ardman's first venture into computer games. I wonder if this was one you ever played. Personally, I've never actually played this game, but after I asked the World of Wallace and Gromit community on Instagram, it seems lots of you have, and really enjoyed it. Responses included, love it, amazing, cool, and to single out a few, Lordy underscore MC said, I love this game so much growing up. I still have a copy on PS2 that I still play. Baller Benjamin said, It was absolutely impossible, but a lot of fun. And TMT underscore Alexis said, I played this game on the PS2 and it was amazing and I miss shooting the banana guns. Dozens of positive responses from the Instagram community there, so I'm going to take that as a successful first video game for Wallace and Gromit. Following the release of The Curse of the Were-Rabbit in 2005, Ardman, again working with Frontier, released The Curse of the Were-Rabbit video game for PlayStation 2 and Xbox consoles. Unlike Project Zoo, this game is not a new story and loosely follows the plot of the feature film. Again, a platform game, you play as Wallace or Gromit and Hutch at night to try and capture rabbits and protect the townsfolk vegetables for the upcoming giant vegetable competition. After completing the tutorial, you're free to walk around the town completing missions and chores like going into gardens to catch rabbits or sorting vegetables. Armed with a bun gun, you can suck up vegetables, rabbits and other items and also shoot them out to help you with your tasks. Unlike Project Zoo, there's a two-player option in this game and you can work together to complete puzzles or just have one player switch between the characters in gameplay. Wallace and Gromit have their own strengths For instance, Wallace is taller and can double jump to higher places, whilst Gromit has the ability to wall jump up narrow crevices to get to high places, so you need to play as both of them to maximise your chances of completing a task. This game didn't get brilliant reviews in the gaming world for gameplay, unless you were a big Wallace and Gromit fan, but the attention to detail with the graphics and characters was generally received very positively. Then, in 2009, Wallace and Gromit's Grand Adventures was developed by Ardman with Telltale Games. This game is a graphic adventure game told in four episodes. Fright of the Bumblebees, The Last Resort, Muzzled and The Bogeyman and was originally released on Microsoft Windows and Xbox 360. In Fright of the Bumblebees, Wallace and Gromit's new business, From Bee to You, delivers fresh honey to customers and has a big order of 50 gallons to fulfil. Trouble is, Wallace has used up all the flowers in his garden, 
so decides to invent a growth formula to turn a neighbour's daisies into giant flowers. This works on the flowers, but also turns the bees into giant ones, who then terrorise the town. Wallace and Gromit have to catch the bees and restore order to the town. The second episode, The Last Resort, Wallace and Gromit are just about to go on holiday to Blackpool, when the weather cancels their plans by flooding the cellar. This inspires Wallace to turn it into an indoor seaside resort for the townsfolk. Unfortunately, their neighbours Mrs Flit's dogs and her bully boyfriend Duncan McBiscuit create havoc for the guests. But luckily, Wallace is able to sort things out before refunds are demanded. That evening over dinner, the successful day turns darker when Duncan is almost murdered by one of the other guests during a blackout. Eventually, Gromit deduces the culprit, and after the guests leave, Gromit is able to enjoy the resort in peace. In episode 3, Muzzled, a charity fair comes to town, run by Monty Muzzle, raising money to rebuild the dog shelter after it was destroyed in the storm of episode 2. Wallace invents a machine to create any flavour of ice cream which he takes to the fair and demonstrates. Meanwhile, Gromit discovers that Mr Muzzle is actually stealing the donations from the townspeople, and then he manages to unmask Muzzle's plan publicly. Mr Muzzle manages to escape on a makeshift balloon, but Wallace and Gromit give chase and stop him from getting away. Having dumped Duncan McBiscuit, Mrs Flit has developed a fondness for Wallace and his bravery. Little does she know that Gromit is the chief sleuth, and mistakenly thinks that Wallace is proposing to her when he finds a loose fastening nut. Bit awkward. In the final episode, The Bogeyman, Wallace and Gromit have a new lost object finding business called Golden Retrieval. Gromit also manages to defuse the mistaken proposal by making Wallace a member of the local country club, an organisation which Mrs Flit's aunt despises, so the marriage is rejected by her. Jealous that Wallace was admitted to the club before him, Ernest Dibbins, the local constable, threatens the club with closure due to lack of golf course, using an obscure bylaw. In fact, the club does have a golf course. No one knows where it is because the deed is missing. Using his detective equipment, Wallace locates the deed and finds that the entire town was built on the golf course. Duncan McBiscuit, who we met in episode 2 and is the club chairman, wants revenge, so plans to have the town demolished to restore the golf course. Wallace challenges him to a golf tournament to try and become chairman and tear up the deed. With Gromit's assistance and a few hiccups, this is eventually achieved, and now that Duncan is no longer chairman, Mrs Flick goes back to Duncan, now her aunt almost approves of him. Overall, Fright of the Bumblebees, the first episode, received the best review ratings from gamers, but the series as a whole was appreciated for its whimsical charm, challenging but not impossible puzzles, and humorous storylines. I think I played episode 2, The Last Resort, when I was about 11, which I enjoyed but remember being a little frustrated at points where it wasn't clear where to go next. This game series was actually the first time that Peter Salas didn't voice Wallace. Instead, it was Ben Whitehead, the official backup voice actor who is now the sole voice actor for Wallace. From looking at the gameplay images, the progress in gaming graphics is very stark and vastly improved since Project Zoo even in just six years. Solely looking at the storylines, though, 
I like how each episode is a separate adventure, but there are wisps of intertwinement with characters who reappear or consequences to previous actions in later episodes. Those of you who fancy having a go at this series now will also be pleased to hear that as of December 2020, I believe, Wallace and Gromit's Grand Adventures was relisted on Steam, GOG.com, Robot Cash and Green Man Gaming for Windows. So thus far, there are three standalone Wallace and Gromit video games, but there have also been many browser games accessed through Wallace and Gromit websites, which you might remember. Most of these aren't available to play anymore, unfortunately, but I thought they deserved a mention anyway. One of the earliest ones I remember being released, about 12 years ago or so, was one called Snowdrift, where Wallace and Gromit were in the snow, and you had to use arrow keys to power Gromit up the halfpipe into the wintry sky, collecting boosts and points along the way, and avoiding the icy rocks. After A Matter of Loaf and Death was released, the Wallace and Gromit website got a new game called Top Bun, where you had to help bake bread and unload ovens within a certain time limit. I didn't find that one particularly thrilling, to be honest. It was a bit boring. One I did enjoy, though, was called Invention Suspension, and that was via the Cracking Ideas website where you had to fly a helicopter through a blueprint paper world around obstacles, collecting and moving items to different places using a big retractable magnet which came out the bottom of a helicopter. Following the success of this game, Ardman made a similar one called Sprocket Rocket, where, again, you had to guide something, a rocket this time, uh, around a 2D obstacle course, but the levels were harder and you could create modifications for your rocket to solve the puzzles on each level. In 2010, to coincide with the World of Invention television series, a game called Wallace's Workshop was made to play on the BBC website for the series. This was another fun one, as you had to use Meccano-type pieces and motors to build contraptions and aids to get a mechanical test dummy Wallace from one place on the screen to another, manoeuvring round or harnessing the potential of various obstacles in the way. There were also a few simple games which came with Wallace and Gromit fun packs on CD-ROM back in 1996, but unfortunately I couldn't find much to elaborate on those. Of course, you don't always need a computer or electricity to play games, and there are plenty of Wallace and Gromit board games that have been produced over the years. Perfect for those family game nights. The most well-known Wallace and Gromit board game is, of course, Fleeced. This is a game that was designed by Nick Park himself, where players work their way around the board depicting streets, houses and shops, and have to seek out fugitive sheep hiding away. For two to six players, you play as Wallace, Gromit, Wendeline, Sean, Preston or Feathers McGraw, and each player has their own base at the corners of the board. Once sheep have been found, players must rustle them away in long lines and try and get them home without being rustled themselves. This is one of my favourite board games, Partially because I love the attention to detail in the board and playing pieces, but also because it's actually a fun challenge to win. The streets are constructed with lots of converging points, making it relatively easy for another player to take your sheep snaking behind you if you're not careful. Another thing is that every player has a whistle, and when you have sheep in tow, you have to remember to blow it before your go, or when you want to rustle other sheep. Otherwise, you lose them all, which can be very frustrating. I'd say it's a game for older children and adults, but would definitely recommend it. One of the earliest Wallace and Gromit board games was one called A Cracking Day Out, 
which took players on a trip to the moon. Players would roll dice to move around the board and either follow instructions or be awarded some of the confectionery, which came with the game, depending on where you landed. The winner is the one that lands on the moon and then gets a special trophy badge to wear. What a bonus. In 1998, the Going Crackers game was made. This seems like a more involved game, where players choose characters and then have to perform actions as their characters. So if you're Wallace, you have to make a big grin every time you sing, say or act something, whereas Gromit can only draw things. Cheesy dip cards dictate the tasks, and the person to complete the most in certain time wins. There are also special game board pieces to mix things up a bit and make sure no one gets too comfortable in their role. Another game which came a bit later is called Rocket Race. The aim of the game is to build a little orange rocket from pieces of card that slot together, which I think you collect by moving around the board. As the name suggests, the first person to build their rocket is the winner. The final game I found when researching is one called Cracking Contraptions, which I've never actually seen before. I believe it was only sold in Marks and Spencers, so it wasn't as widely available. But from what I found, it looks very similar to the game of Rapido, if anyone knows that. Cracking Contraptions is a team game where team members have to model items dictated by cards out of modelling clay for their teammates to guess under a certain time limit. The more correct answers, the further they move around the board. And of course there are also the Gromit Unleashed versions of Monopoly and Top Trumps, but they are just adapted versions of the originals with the same name. It's always nice for Wallace and Gromit to have their stamp on things though, but no new ideas there. Well, I think that's just about covered most of the Wallace and Gromit games out there. It's not long now till we get the brand new The Big Fix-Up app adventure, which I feel is kind of a game, albeit a month-long one, so that's something we've got to look forward to. I wonder if any of the games I've mentioned brought back memories. Perhaps you still play some regularly. I'm pretty sure all the games I've mentioned can be found on eBay if any of them has sparked your interest. And you never know, we might get some new Wallace and Gromit board games in the future. I'll keep you posted if I see anything. What do you think of that then, Gromit? Now, I know a couple of episodes ago I said I'd run out of Wallace and Gromit books to review. Turns out there were a couple I thought I'd reviewed, but actually hadn't, so yay! Here's one of them now. The World of Wallace and Gromit book is probably my all-time favourite Wallace and Gromit book, and I first got to know about it when it was mentioned on the Wallace and Gromit's Cracking podcast, which aired about ten years ago. The book is no longer in print, but you can still find secondhand online and in charity shops if you're lucky. Written by Andy Lane and published in 2004, this book is an in-depth guide to the first three short films, but also goes into their effect globally, the stage show, Creature Comforts, Project Zoo, and the music for everything, as well as featuring rare images and loads of facts which I certainly didn't know until reading this book. The author includes conversations with many lesser-known Ardman staff members who have been part of Wallace and Gromit's journey, as well as the ones we recognise the names of, and it really gives an insight to many aspects which don't get mentioned in other books and behind-the-scenes videos. I've used the book a lot when researching this podcast, and will usually go to it before anything else if I'm looking for information about Wallace and Gromit prior to 2004. Another lovely touch in the book is that every so often, the pages feature little close-ups of props from the Wallace and Gromit sets, like the porridge mix, mugs, or cracker packets, so you can see more of the detail than you would get to see in the film. In my opinion, a cracking book. 
All's well that ends well, that's what I say. Well, that's the end of this episode. I hope you found it interesting, and perhaps it gave you some new entertainment ideas if you're in lockdown. If you have a Wallace and Gromit topic which you'd like to know more about, I'd love to hear from you. Either email worldofwallaceandgromit at gmail.com or message the Instagram account at worldofwallaceandgromit. Do also let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a review and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Until next time, goodbye. From me, from Gromit, from Arj. Au revoir, chaps.